0: Jesus, you're all... You
1: Can we lift our hands all over this house? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's your healer. He's your redeemer. He's re- your restorer. Uh, Those of us joining us by podcast today, we welcome you, Church of the Harvest, as we celebrate over 23 years of full-time ministry to this local community and the communities around and different parts of the nation and different parts of the world, because I'm not going to be here Father's Day. I just wanted to brag on my girls. My girls have brought me nothing but joy, nothing but fun, Uh, the Davis House, if you come around us. I start singing at the table. I embarrass the girls. They climb under the table. They unplug my phone so I won't talk during the meal. But I honor my girls today and all that God has done through them and to them. It is an honor to be a dad. Uh, Courtney handles all the administrative uh, ministries of the church, all the finances. She schedules her mom and I to speak, takes care of all of our airfare, motels, all of our chaperones, everything that, that we touch it, it goes through Courtney's hands. We thank God for her and her commitment to the Lord to be what God wants her to be. She dances, she sings, she works with the youth. Christine, of course, is drug-free, alcohol-free, and a virgin, as is Courtney, 12 years old. And uh, we are so pleased. Um, let me say something to parents, if I may. I had leave it to be for parents. I lived in the church. You understand, in, the, in, my, in my dad's generation dad had to preach teach mow the lawn clean the sanctuary clean the toilets all of that i spent a lot of time at the church and i got bored and we had a church that had old wooden pews and i would go under the pews and peel the gum off the pew and i would chew the gum and i i re, i would remember where different i remember where different people would sit there was a double spearmint over here there was an old man at adams i know you don't remember that bazooka joe was my favorite It'd be a big glob of bazooka joe So people say they cut their teeth on the pews. I chewed the gum off the pews and until the age of 19 servalord played almost every instrument on the platform at that particular time and My dad was so good about raising up ministries that at the end of my music ministry I was on the kazoo. I've been replaced on the piano organ bass guitar trumpet French horn Uh, So I, I wound up playing the kazoo, but no one ever wanted to play kazoo but me so but I thank God for our godly heritage. And the reason we have what we have today, and please let us never forget what we have today, because there are men and women today that have laid their life down on the line. They're sleeping in trenches. They're carrying armed weapons to protect us, to defend us. 24-7 thousands of men and women that are protecting us and guarding us. And I honor all those that have served, all those that have given their life. I was in Talladega. Go ahead. I was in Talladega, Alabama day before yesterday, and there on the main parkway, there were hundreds, literally hundreds of crosses with flags, and Talladega honors all the fallen soldiers that ever lost their life in Alabama. They honor them every year, and I, I regret that just one day a year that we honor our soldiers and we honor our troops. I think like, like every day should be Mother's Day, I think every day we should honor those that are protecting us right now. And you don't know how protected you are until you fly into N'Djamena Chad where every Friday night at 7 you've got to go into bunkers because the Lebanese army flies in and shoots the city up with 50 caliber machine guns. You don't know how lucky you are until you're in Lagos, Nigeria and you have to pay your way to get back on the plane or they will keep and throw you in prison until a loved one from America pays your bail. You don't realize how lucky you are until you're in Port-au-Prince, Haiti where every day the government simply picks up all the bodies that have dropped over dead because of hunger and starvation. You don't realize how fortunate you are until you go somewhere that's not so fortunate. Let us never forget what God has done for us, what God has blessed us with. Just the ability to worship Him this morning in spirit and truth, the way He has ordained. There are many places in the world that you'll be assassinated if you really show up in this sanctuary and worship your God. You'll be assassinated. But aren't you glad today that you're alive and free and He, the sun sets free, is free indeed. I'm going to assume because Pastor David did not throw anything at Pastor Rhonda, that means he will be here Father's Day ministering, and we're excited about that. Always excited when Pastor David shared. It's always fresh. It's always applicable, It's always applicable. I will not tell you the times that I've taken different ones at different mission fields, and they've preached sermons. That was way over everybody's head, and uh, I told them that you're not supposed to feed the giraffes. You're supposed to feed the sheep. Hello. You shouldn't have to stretch to, to you got it, Pastor Todd. I'm impressed. you. I'm impressed, Pastor Todd. Thank you. Uh, but, but, but we are we are here. Hopefully, if you go with me to Isaiah 42, if you find Isaiah 42, then just back up two pages to Isaiah 40. How'd I handle that? Well, and then if you go three books later, previous to the last two books I mentioned, wound up somewhere in the book of Hezekiah. If you turn to the book of Hezekiah, we'll start there. Please don't waste your time. There's not a Hezekiah. There really is Isaiah 40. That really is the, the the right answer, Isaiah 4. I'm going to encourage you to put your phones up. I'm going to encourage you to put your iPads down. I'm going to encourage you this morning to hear what I believe God has given this house. The ink on the bottom page is still wet. It would probably smear if I wanted it to. But I believe that it's, it's important that we share food that you're ready to eat. I believe it's important that we share food that you're ready to eat. And something about the Word of God, it might, it might apply to someone that is only a week old in the Lord, and it may minister to someone that is 100 weeks old in the Lord. That's what's so neat about the Word of God. It's alive and pliable, sharper, able to pierce and separate the junk from our life, open doors, provide a healing that we can walk in God's blessing and God's favor. If I had a thought or a theme today, my thought or theme would be, this is the day of your double. This is the day of your double. Look, look to these two people and say, today is the day of your double. And when I think of double, I think the first thing that probably comes to mind is there was a rock band in the 70s that did a song entitled Double Vision. I know that I have some twins in my life, and every time they come around, it's double trouble. I know that if you speed through a, a construction zone, they give you double fines. But today, the word double has a very good, a very wonderful meaning, and I want to share it with you. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the first verse. Learn a lesson early in this, in this teaching this morning. Anytime you find a phrase repeated, it means there are at least two different revelations. When Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, there was a natural meaning, then there was a supernatural meaning. When Elisha saw his spiritual father, Elijah, ascending into heaven, he said, father, father, a natural father, a spiritual father. Today we find a phrase repeated twice, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. This is God speaking to me as the shepherd of this flock that I am to come to you today with words of comfort. As you've watched the news the past couple of days, some very troubled things are happening right now in our government. A lot of things are, ha- are, that are happening right now in our, in our armed forces. We're wanting to declare that the war is over and we can start again. The war is not over. There are terrorists in the world that have vowed that they will destroy us, they will kill us, they will wipe us off the face of the planet. And if they had a nuclear weapon, they would do it. These are not the days of peace and safety. These are the days of trouble and tribulation. But aren't you glad that right there in the middle of all of Pharaoh's woes, that in the land of Goshen, there was milk and honey, there was favor, there was blessing, there was a double portion. So my, my goal today, my, 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 my attempt today is to encourage you and to bless you and that you will leave here different from the way than you came in. If you came in feeling bad, you'll leave feeling good. If you came in feeling good, you'll leave feeling gooder. Better to those of you from Michigan better you came in good. You're gonna leave feeling better I believe God has that plan for you today Comfort ye comfort my people says your God speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her That her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins I'm I'm to tell you today that the battle is over 2000 years ago at a place called Calvary when Jesus his last breath to the world was to tell us which means it is finished Jesus conquered our last enemy death took the sting out of death Took the victory out of the grave and God tells his day that the battle is over We're simply waiting for the king of kings to return in the clouds of heaven And all of those that are looking for him to rise up and meet him in the air And then go spend about a million years with him doing whatever you want to do How cool is that? That is the promise that we have today that our warfare is ended But then it goes a little farther and says that our iniquity is pardoned or iniquity is forgiven for we should see receive of our sins double from the lord that really doesn't make a lot of sense when i tell you that god's going to bless you double for your sins that that's not the way that plays out but in the days of isaiah look at somebody and say in the days of isaiah as this lesson is coming from you have to say that unless you really want to just in in the days of isaiah in isaiah's generation bankruptcy was very embarrassing now i don't know if you're aware today that if you go bankrupt you're required to print it in the newspaper and hopefully you print it in the benton paper the etowal paper nobody in cleveland reads it but there are there are things that you've got to do when you're bankrupt in the old testament it was a lot worse there were 12 gates going into the city of jerusalem was the sheep gate that meant that was the only gate you could bring sheep in There was the dung gate, that was the the gate you took all your trash out. There was a king's gate and only the king could go in and out of that gate, 12 different gates. One of the gates of the city was called the debt gate. The debt gate. And when you were in debt and when you went belly up and when you came to a place that you could no longer pay your bill, you did everything you knew to do, you raised all the money you could raise and you completely exhausted all of your funds they took your name and they posted it to the top of the gate called the Debt Gate. At the top of that papyrus or leather was your name, and underneath that papyrus and, and 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 letter of your name was all the people that you owed. Everybody that went in the city and came out the city saw your name. That is, by the way, my real full name. I was how many never knew that was my name? You know. I was named after a very wealthy uncle, and when he died, he left me nothing. So I changed my name to Hank. That is a true story. I'm second by it. He actually was very kind to my parents when they were evangelists. That's why I was named after him, Henry Keith. I hate the name Henry. Henry, I have gotten fistfights over the way people said my name. I just didn't like the way they said my name, so I just punched them out, and they punched me back. It was just. But anyway, that's my name. So if in the days of Isaiah I was to go belly up, they would take my name and they would post on the top of the gate that everybody came in and out of. And then in further embarrassment, they would list who I owed and how much I owed. Now, I do not have a house payment. I haven't had a house payment for 20 years. I don't pay alimony child support. I just put some things up there just to kind of let you realize maybe some of the debts that we have incurred in life. So there's my house payment. There's my car payment. Our cars are paid off. We don't have a car payment. There's our electric and water. That's that's probably about right in the Pastor Ron. Our electric and water. There's our insurance. There's our phone bill. There's my alimony. There's my child support. Now, and, the, and, and then all those things were listed, and everybody in the city knew that I owed everybody. Now, if you loved me, going to phrase that. If you liked me, you could. It was your choice to go up and face all my debtors, and you could choose to pay one of my debts. You could do that. And the way you do that, you would take something to mark with, and you would cross out the debt, and you would put your initials by the bill that you decided to pay. And we're going to see this morning whether my future son-in-law likes me or loves me. If he picks a big one, he loves me. Oh, I feel the love. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I got a son-in-law. That's going to make my house payment. How, how appreciative I am. Thank you, angel. Those of you listening to my podcast, you missed it. I'm sorry. i might just flying here once in a while and just see what we really do. Now, ironically, if you love me and you were wealthy, you could pay my entire debt. And the way to pay my entire debt, you would take the bottom of all the things listed that I owe And you would double it over and you would write your name directly Underneath my name and here's that here's what that meant If I owed you a house payment, you don't seek me out You seek the person out who's paying off my debt If I owed you the phone bill, I no longer owe you the phone bill But I have a wealthy friend by the name of Robert Kenningham That is so good to me and loves me so much that he paid the entire debt That's called double. Let me say it again. That's called double. In the Old Testament, that's called double. And when God says, I'll give you double for your sins, I'll give you double for your iniquities, that means he wipes the slate clean. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Yesterday was a promissory note. Tomorrow's a cancel check. You're living on accounts receivable right now. That God, Somebody ought to get excited to know that your sins have been forgiven. And not only have they been forgiven, but God has washed away the results of those sins. He's canceled that debt. Several years ago, when I, was a young, when I was a young teenager, there was another kid that was my, but just a year younger than me, but we never hung out together because at the age of 16, he got a young lady pregnant and married her at the age of 17. So I really didn't ever spend any time with him. I, I spent a lot of time with his siblings, but didn't really know him very well. About five years ago, dying of heroin addiction, he came here dying. Dying of heroin addiction. Got a death sentence from his doctor. Decided to spend his last few months hanging around us. He got, he came to the ranch, become a part, started work, started getting involved, started mowing, started feeding the horses, got involved. God started moving. God started speaking his life. He got involved in praise and worship. And one Sunday morning, God healed him. I said one Sunday morning, God healed him. God healed him. (laughs) Went back to the doctor, Arkansas. The doctor said, you're not dying. You're going to live. So he came back here got involved in the ministry, got involved in the stuff that was going around. He began to help some widows paint their houses, begin to mow lawns of some of the single moms that didn't have any money, got involved in the kingdom. Let me tell you what happened in his life 20 years after he got married. Are you ready? There was a knock on the door. Southern California opened the door, and there was a young man, 19 years of age. The young man looked at him, said, hello, and said, guess what? I'm your son. The state of California agreed and attached to him a $32,000 back child support debt, $32,000. Look at somebody go, whew. exactly one week later, Matthew, there was another knock at the door. And there was a 20-year-old young lady that said, hey, guess what? You're my dad. The state of Oregon agreed. And attached another twenty nine thousand dollar debt that he owed in back child support sixty thousand dollars look at somebody and breathe look at somebody and just 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 feel that for a moment he brings it to our attention is I got to raise this money I got to do this I'm gonna go to jail if I don't do this this and this we took we took the paper we laid hands on it we agreed and in under let me, let me say this how did I say this Within a 90-day window, the state of California sent him a statement, said that the child support was forgiven. He did not owe it. One week later, the state of Oregon sent the same type letter and said because they got a report that he was dying of heroin. So they washed both debts. And I'm here to tell you today, I believe he's glad that someone chose to pay it forward. Aren't you glad that he is a debt reducer, a debt cancellation? Isn't it fun when someone pays your debt? in that fun? The other day I got irritated. I ordered at Hardee's and I couldn't go, I couldn't go pay because there were two cars in front of me, but there was about that much space, about three foot between me and the person in front of me, and the guy behind me honked at me. Well, there would have been a day, I'm telling you, there would have been a day When I'd have got out of my car and I'd have went back and I would accosted or confronted or I would have spoken some words. And if they spoke some words back, it wouldn't have gone from words. It had gone to action. And let me tell you something. I might look like a little skinny runt, but I only got whipped one time in my life. And that was by someone smaller than me. Some karate dude. A little sensei thingamajigger. I got, actually, I got so mad at my, I just got mad. I'm thinking... Okay, why am I mad? Why am I mad? So I got to the window. Listen, always do this before you decide to pay for someone's meal. Find out how much it is. <laughs> so I went up to Hardy's and I asked the, the cashier. I said, hey, the people behind me, how, what's their, it's like $6.30. I said, I want to pay for that. And you know what? I felt so good because I'm sure I made them feel bad. <laughs> I mean, my, mo, my motivation was not right. My intention not right. But I believe that God blessed it because I went out to eat later in a restaurant and the waitress came and said, you don't have to pay your bill. Somebody took care of it. Then you always look around, I wonder who, who paid my. And Because you want to find out where they're going to eat tomorrow because you want to go there too. <laughs> yeah. But what a cool God that says, I will give you double for your trouble. Go with me two, two chapters over to Isaiah 42. And I, I want to share just first three verses are you guys with me on that isaiah 42 behold there's a, the word of revelation my my servant whom i uphold my elect in whom i sold lights god is talking about his son obviously i put my spirit upon him he will bring forth justice to the gentiles that's you and i he will not cry out nor raise his voice at calvary he opened not his mouth nor caused his voice to be heard in the street a bruised reed look at somebody say bruised he will not break a smoking flax. Look at somebody say flax. He will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he's established justice in the earth and all the coastlands shall wait for his law. What an incredible word here if you were a part of that generation. A lot of times we lose things in the Bible because obviously it was written to a, to, to a people that lived in that day, had habits, had... Had, had methods, had, had ways that they operated, and ways they operated. When, when God said, I will not trash his bruised reed, you had to know that it was responsibility of every father to teach their son how to play the pipe. Let me tell you where the pipe came. They would go to the river, and they would take machetes, and they would cut them a piece of reed. The reeds, they were all up and down the river. This came from one of, one of our rentals. Uh, this was about 30 foot high before I cut it. I brought a small piece of it. What would happen, the kids would be sent by their dad to the river to, to bring back a reed to make a pipe out so they could play a song. And what the kids would do on the way home, they would whack their sister. They would whack, yeah, they'd whack their sister. I feel that. They would whack their sister. And it would bruise the reed. And then when they got to the house, the dad would say, this is a damaged reed, I can't use it, and he would throw it away. And te- technically, that kid lost his song. There are many today in life have lost their song. In Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, we wept, we remember Zion we hanged our hearts in the midst of the willow trees thereon, for there they that wasted us required us of a song, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord the songs of Zion in a strange land? They had lost their ability to sing. And let me tell you something. When you lose your ability to sing, you lose your song, you lose your ability to dream. Your, your, your song is attached to your destiny. Your song is attached to your dream many many years ago when the afro american was placed in slavery and under bondage they weren't allowed to talk to one another they weren't allowed to communicate with one another they would get out there in the fields they begin to chop the cotton and pull the corn and they begin to sing ain't no grave gonna hold my body down And I'm not going to sing, because I obviously cannot sing like a black man, but when they sang, something happened in their spirit. There was unity. There was a connection. There was an understanding. It may be bad today, but it's not always going to be like this. God's going to come, and God's going to bless us, and God's going to set us free. And that's exactly what God did, and God is still doing it today through the power of a song. But you can't lose your song, because if you lose your song, you lose your dream. Notice Psalms 126 and 1. Do we have it, guys? I don't see it. There it is. Watch this. When the Lord brought back the captain of Zion, we were like those who dream. Next verse. Which will be two. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongues with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Watch this. When they got their dream back, they got their song back, and they got their laughter back. It's important that you get your song back. And what you've got to remember today, that God is not going to discard you because you're bruised. God's not going to discard you because you're damaged. God's not going to discard you because you're in debt or you're in trouble or you've got fines or you've got bails or you've got a felony or you've got this or you've got that. God's not going to judge you for any of those things. That's what the world does. Let me tell you, that's what the world does. Someone said, that's what the world does. And this is what the world wants to tell you. Oh, yeah. I got confused. (laughs) Look at somebody say, You only had two cups of coffee today. This is what the world says you are you're a burnout, you're a drug addict. You have no song. You have no dreams. You have no hope. You have no joy. You have no peace. You're a loser. But watch what God says about you. Without seeing things, that's because you're not that anymore. Because old things are passed away, all things are become new. You are now whatever you say you are. Did you hear me? You are now whatever you say you are. Tanner, a couple of years ago, we hosted Alcoholics Anonymous for about six weeks, and we were part of that. We and we met some of the leadership and some different things going on, and and. I struggled, I appreciate the ministry, but I struggled with the fact that I introduced myself and said, My name is Hank, and I'm a drug addict. Well, I haven't taken a drug in 32 years, so it's obviously I'm no longer a drug addict, so I must be something else. So I took an afternoon and I sat down and did the ABCs of life, and I wrote down everything the Word of God says that I am. I introduced it to the leadership of Alcoholics Anonymous. Unfortunately, they weren't able to, to adapt it to their program. But this is what I said at the next AA meeting I went to. May I share it with you? My name is Hank. I'm not a drug addict. Remember remember ABC's Ashley. I'm adopted by the Father. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a doer of the word. I'm excited to be alive. I'm full of faith. I'm God's kid. I'm heaven-bound. I'm not intimidated by the enemy. Watch this. I'm just passing through. I'm a king's kid. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not the tail. I'm the head. I'm an overcomer. I'm a part of the puzzle. I'm quickened by his presence. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm saved, sanctified, and satisfied. I'm triumphant over the grave. I'm under the blood. I have victory over death. I'm a warrior in battle. I'm zealous. I'm excellent in all I do. I'm young at heart, and I'm zealous for his tech. That's what God's word says that I am. No longer a loser. No longer burnout. No longer no dream. You know what? Today, the world can call us what they want. They can call us a fanatic. They can call us. They can call us a, a anything they want to call us. But when He calls us, they can call us gone. Because in a moment, in a twinkle of eye, whether I'm flipping hamburgers at McDonald's or I'm I'm building a pair of socks, I'm gonna leave this place. And when I leave, I'm gonna get a hold of two sinners. I'm gonna hold them as tight as I can. I'm gonna get about 500 feet up in the air. Then I'm gonna look at them and say, "Do you repent?" Or I would let go. I'm gonna take somebody with me right up the very end because He said He's coming like a thief in the night. And I'm watching for him. Anybody else looking for the coming of the Lord in this house? Amen. The smoking flax. This is, as most of you know, a lamp. You pour oil in it. And then you put a wick in it. This wick is called a flax. With the wick and the oil like the puppy And as long as there's oil in this container it will light okay as long as there's oil when it runs out of oil it starts to smoke and what will happen when a, 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 the head of the wife of the house realizes that she's having company she will run through the house and she will take all the smoking flaxes and she will throw them outside. She'll throw them away. She'll discard them. Here's what God is saying. I don't care if you're out of oil. I don't care if you're burnout. I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. I know there are circumstances of life that have placed you in bondage and placed you in terror. But not only will I replace your song and give you a new song, but I will return your anointing. I'll restore Everything the enemy has stolen. And I may as well go to Joel 2 just for a minute. And Joel 2, here's what God said. I will restore the years the enemy has stolen from you. I will restore the years. Matter of fact, I actually have even a, a couple of notes on that. Joel 2 and 25, you guys want to throw it up there. There are four types of insects that will try to trash your crop. Look at somebody and say, there are four types of insects that will try to trash my crop. There is a swarming locust that eats the seed. There's the crawling bug that eats the root. There's a consuming locust that eats the fruit. And there's a chewing grasshopper that eats your leaf. Watch what these four things represent. First of all, your seed. The Bible says your seed is in the power of the word of God, that his word will never pass away. It will never fail. And as long as you plant the seed of the word of God, you will reap a crop. There is the root. There's the actual foundation of what you believe, all the things you stand for, all the things that you believe in. There is a leaf that simply covers the fruit before its maturity, and there is a fruit. So there is an enemy that wants to, first of all, steal your root, want to to mess with your root. You maybe had a loudly family growing up. Maybe you had a bad mom and dad growing up. Maybe you maybe to understand life. You didn't have to leave it to be beaver family. The enemy tried to destroy your very foundation. But if you put your hope and trust in God, he said, I'll, I'll be the foundation. I will be the rock of ages that's cleft for you. I'll be the stone the builder rejected. I'll be the cornerstone. And you can build your life on mine. Someone say, Praise the Lord. You'll have a, a winner when everything looks dead. All of a sudden spring and that seed sprouts. All of a sudden that thing begins to grow. Then there's summer and that's that's the season of survival. You pray for rain, you water your crop, the leaf hides the fruit, and then there's the fall, there's the harvest. So everything the enemy has stolen from you, God has promised to restore it. We were talking a little earlier this week. I, I did not, that I know of. I never had a son. So God gave me Daniel and God gave me, robert and now god's give me angel i got to raise him up now in the way that he should go those of us that maybe lost our kids at at, at marriage or maybe some of us that lost our health or we lost our joy or we lost something God will put someone in your life that redeem the time that has been stolen to renew and to bless you. Give you the spiritual father you never had. Give you the spiritual mom you never had. Give you the son and daughter that you lost somewhere down the road. The baby that was aborted. The baby that was lost. God has the ability to restore Listen, we're talking about a chunk of your life. Years of your life God is able to restore. Do I have a, a friend in the house would say praise the Lord with me that our, our years have been restored. Our years have been blessed. The shift gears. you ready to shift gears with me. I want to go to Isaiah 61. Pastor Rhonda shared this passage Wednesday night, and I'm not going to stomp in her garden. But there's there's one thing I'll, I need to bring attention to you, if I may. Found in verse six. We we'll just I have a few minutes. Let me read verse one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Look at someone say, because. There are 12 reasons the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is called the anointing. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and the opening of the prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console all those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the form of desolation. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed their flocks, and the son of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you... Shall we name the priests of the Lord? There's the new name. They shall, they shall call you the servants of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory you shall, bo- you shall boast. Instead of shame, Ye shall have what? Double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their, in their portion. Therefore, in the land, they shall possess. Say it with me double they shall possess double when Elisha was being mentored by Elijah he had a very unusual request this is important he asked Elijah if when Elijah is taken to heaven and the prophets knew there were 70 prophets in the school of prophets they knew Elijah was going to be translated that if when he was taken to heaven if Elisha could get a double portion elijah said that's not mine to give but that's of god however if you're with me when god takes me i will ask god that you receive what you desire you follow that through that's an entire lesson all on its own three times elijah tried to get elisha to go somewhere and do something for him to go take care of something to go make something happen but elisha had a promise That instruction from the Lord was, if you see me, when I leave, you'll get what you receive. That's all Elisha heard. He refused to be distracted three times. Elijah tried to send him. There's three different places. The enemy will try to send you to keep you from getting what God has for you. It's a powerful, and you can read the chapter later. But when Elisha, Elijah was taken into heaven, and Elisha's watching him go into heaven, he wasn't all that wowed by the fact that elijah's just got a chariot of fire and a whirlwind and all of that all he could focus on was what he wanted from god and he shouted to elijah where's my double portion and elijah took his mantle and threw it on the ground well guess what elijah did he went to see if that gun was loaded yeah he did see uh, an empty gun's worthless if you don't have bullets in your gun you can't accomplish anything in life help me hey there's a mantle let's see if it works walked over there was no need there was no there was no one to minister to there was there was no they, they didn't need to get to the other side it was God's way of showing Elisha that he believed in him and he trusted him and Elisha smacks the river and guess what the river parts and Elisha goes hey it works and when he found out it works then he began to do the things that God had wanted to do there are 12 reasons for the anointing are you ready God wants to anoint you, and there was a famous, famous preacher in the Church of God that preached a sermon entitled, The Anointing Makes a Difference. He's dead now. People still try to preach a sermon, but nobody can preach it like him. They asked one preacher, what is the anointing? He says, I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you when it isn't. Pastor Dave, you ever felt like that? You were standing in the pulpit going, what What, am I, what, what in the world am I doing here? This is like going like, like tons of legends like, Whoa! There's no anointing in this building, but God always honors His word. He always honors His word. Okay, twelve reasons for God. The reason why God wants to anoint you. you ready to supernaturally give you the ability to walk in all the miracles and plans that God has for you? Number two, to bring hope and good news to the afflicted. You're going to a school where kids are miserable. They're suicidal. They're medicating. They're frustrated. They go through boyfriends the way I go through buzzbaits. They're unhappy. But God gives you the ability to bring them hope and bring them comfort. To heal the broken heart. Anybody know someone's got their heart broken right now? Their heart has actually been broken to proclaim liberty to the captives. Listen weeping endures for a season but joy comes in the morning even in prison God can be found at midnight they praise and worship the prison gates were shaken and Paul and Silas were set free you've been given the anointing to proclaim liberty to the captives to set prisoners free and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord what does that mean The Bible says he's coming soon. That is our message to the world. We occupy till he comes, but we don't put our faith and our trust in the things of the world. We realize that we, like Abraham, are looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And one day we're going to be called to a better country, a heavenly country, that we are going to meet the Lord in the air. And that's the sermon that we preach. We're not of this land. We, we, we pay taxes. We, we, we support the things we're supposed to support. But we're not of this kingdom. We're of that heavenly kingdom where one day the lion's going to lay down with the lamb and they will study war no more and there will be a highway of holiness and only the righteous shall walk. There should be no lion, no ravenous beast. Nothing shall err, but it should be called the way of the Lord and the way of holiness. Is anybody excited about that path that God wants you to walk in heaven? Another promise for the anointing? It's a comfort all who mourn. To furnish beauty for those who have lost it. I got to thinking about our extreme makeovers. How we, how we speak in the lives of people that have lost their beauty and God brings it back. To provide a happiness and a glad heart. Look at someone and say, God wants you happy. If we have our way and we usually do, it is my desire to have Phil Robertson come and stand behind this platform, wherever we're at, wherever we're in, and say, happy, happy. Happy, happy, happy. Happy. We should come to a place or life where we enjoy what God has blessed us with. David said, I'd rather be a greeter at the doorpost of the, of the king than to, than to, to have wealth and honor and fame. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand days somewhere else. I should be you should enjoy this life you're living. If not, then you need to reach under your seat and get some of that double bubble gum or or some and you need to you just need to excite yourself with something. Boy, I feel that. Where's that anointing now, God? Woo! Supply an opportunity to praise God's name. And, twelfthly, to glorify the Lord and not man. And not man. The reason that we glorify the Lord, Revelation 2 and 12, very important that that we pull that up on the screen. Pastor Rhonda covered this Wednesday. I won't stomp in her garden. But I will tell you that there's a name in heaven reserved only for you. It's the nickname that God called you by. I have a nickname for Courtney. I have a nickname for Christine. I have a nickname for the dog. Nicknames are signs of affection. Revelation 2 and 12 of the Bible says that he has given you his name. The next time Christ returns this earth, he'll be riding a white horse and he'll be clothed in a vesture, dipped in his blood, and he'll have on his his vesture a name written that no man knew but he himself. We don't even know the name that He's going to be returning him because all of that takes place in the Old Testament. Are we at Isaiah 62 and 3? You pull it up for me, Angel, Isaiah 62 and 3. There's your new name written down, Isaiah, Revelation 2 and 12. How about Isaiah 62 and 3? You probably turn there and read it before you can find it. Let the race begin. Got it. Sorry. Sorry, Angel. You shall also have a crown of glory. I'm sorry. Let me go to verse 2 the Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Watch this. You will no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate. No more depression. Hello no more medication, no more Zoloft, no more Prozac, no more Ambien, no more Lorazepam. no more medication. You're no longer called forsaken, but you're called Hepzibut, the land called Beulah, which means heavenly. You should be called a beautiful land that's blessed. Look at somebody and say, I'm blessed, all of me. I don't want to go on a diet because I want all of me to be blessed in Jesus' name. Those of you that gave me that appreciation left, thank you very much. Look at somebody say the name. The name. When God connected Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he did not give Noah a name. Everyone before Abraham did everything by faith, not knowing who they were doing it for. Noah built an ark, had no clue who he's building it for. God sequesters Abraham. By the way, God tried to sequester his father. Terran left one land and went to another, but stopped before he got to where God wanted to be. So the second, next generation, God says, Abraham, I'm going to send you to a land that's going to be yours. Every time God introduces himself from that day on, he introduces himself, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But at a burning bush... God confronts Moses. And at a burning bush, he tells Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has told you to let God's people go. And so Moses, obviously being a diplomat, obviously being raised to rule the world, remember he's in Pharaoh's court for 40 years, he was a son of Pharaoh, he was an heir to the throne of Egypt, ask a very practical question. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob doesn't say a whole lot. Who shall I tell Pharaoh sent me? And then all of a sudden God reveals a side to himself that all the way through the word of God you'll find a glimpse of. God says, tell him that YHWH sent you. And introduced into the book of Exodus is there the tetragrammaton which simply translated means the unspeakable, unmentionable name of God. And from YHWH, we birthed the word Yahweh. But it is a name that does not have a correct... We don't have the revelation on the name. We don't have the pronunciation of the name. But we simply know that in that name that Moses chose to identify as I am that I am... And the the actual translation of that, Lisa, is I will be what you need me to be. When Jesus said, if you lack anything, ask of the Father, he will give it. Then he says the very same thing again. If you lack, ask of my Father, he will get it. The second time he says that, the translation is, ask my dad. Watch this. Watching? Ask my dad, and if we don't have it, we'll build it. He's still in the creative working business. He's still in the miracle working business. If you don't have it, he'll take time to build it. If he can slap an ear on a deaf man or eyes on a blind man, he can certainly build what you need in your life. But the Bible says, have faith in God. Is anybody in this building excited about that? When they translated the word of God, every time the scribe came up to the the letters Y H W H. He was not allowed to write that. He had to lay the quill down. He went and got the priest. The priest washed his hands seven times. The priest came and he wrote the name Yahweh there in the, in the text. And then he backed away, went washed seven times, and he was unclean for seven days. That was the power of that name. That Y-H-W-H. There are three references and the guys have them. They're going to pull them up for you. One is Colossians 2 and 14. One is Exodus 3 and 14. One is Acts 3 and 19. Just let me give them to you real quick. Acts 3 and 19, Peter said, repent and be converted so that your sins may be blotted out. I'm I'm closed. It's It's the most important part of the message right here. In Isaiah 43 and 25, God said, I am he that blotteth out thy sins and will not remember thy mistakes. So Peter said it. God said it. And then Paul said in Colossians 2 and 14 that the handwritings of the ordinances that were against us were nailed to the cross. When Jesus drank the cup of death, he drank the punishment for all the sins of the world. I come from three generations of godly men. My great-grandfather my grandfather, my dad but the sins of all their generations the sins of the generations before the the sins of Esau the sins of Cain the sins of, let me just show you some of them certainly my mistakes and Pastor Ron was so kind she didn't want my name associated with these others so I put Christine's name on there Think about that. There wasn't space for yours. Danielle writes real big, so that's, he did good to you. Watch this. When Jesus died, paid for the sins of the world. You know my testimony, the years I wasted on drugs, carrying a load of weapons, selling drugs, all, all of that, all the junk, all the garbage of that. He paid for all those sins and blotted them out. When I think of Adolf Hitler, the man personally responsible for murdering over six million Jews. Six million. If you could punish the man that murdered your grandmother and grandfather, if you could punish the man that put your grandmother and grandfather and stripped them naked and put them in an oven and gassed them, if you could if you could punish that man, what kind of what kind of punishment would you put on him? In the late sixties, Charles Manson said he was a god. Under the influence of drugs, he convinced several to go into two homes and murder even a pregnant lady taking the life of an unborn child. He'd been given about 20 death sentences. He will never get out of prison. But if you could punish him for murdering your mom or your dad, what would you punish him? Jeffrey Dahmer raped and murdered 15 children before he was placed in penitentiary. Within 30 days of being in the penitentiary, he was murdered by a fellow convict. But if Jeffrey Dahman had raped and murdered your 12-year-old child, what kind of punishment would you put on that child? Or upon him, rather. Timothy McVeigh. I've told you, I told you this before. I have two cousins, G.W. Davis and Randy Scott, both ride horses for the city of Oklahoma. They are both part of the SWAT team. They're both in special forces. They're both two bad boys. When Timothy McVeigh planted, parked that van... That building in front of Oklahoma City, and that bomb went off. 123 children under the age of eight were fried, burned alive in just a moment. My cousins were the first ones on the scene. It rocked their world. It ruined their life. Both my cousins—be careful what I say. This is going out. Both my cousins are divorced, struggling with alcohol because of what they witnessed. If you could punish the man. That was responsible for the death of your child what would your punishment be take your 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 sins your parents sins all the sins of all generation the Bible says that Jesus drank the penalty of all those sins and not only did he drink the penalty of all those sins but he blotted out the sins that were written against you what does that mean that means that he himself took upon the sins of the world, drank the cup, paid the price, suffered the anguish, suffered all... Jeez, I'm going to come help you because your cross is a little shaky. All the sins of mankind... Not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he paid for the sins of the world. Pilate, who didn't want to kill him or crucify him, ordered them to write Yahweh at the top of that cross. The Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, was angry. They demanded that Pilate would change it, but Pilate said, I have written what I've written not knowing that the name of God would be nailed to the cross and every seed that came from that name beginning with Adam and ending with the last baby that will be born before the resurrection of the church was nailed to that cross and today we stand in the shadow of that cross. What can wash away my sins? Help me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the birds of my heart rolled away It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day Do I have a witness in the house? Thank you that it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats It wasn't the blood of a turtle dove, but it was the blood of the Son of God Now, How does that work pastor AC if you'll help me? He give you a new song restores your oil it changes your name gives you a new name by the way pastor David just just for the scholars in the house in the book of Josephus there is a paragraph where Josephus documents that he had learned that there was a prophet from Galilee that had learned how to say the name of God correctly and saying that name, there were great miracles. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, YHWH. That's why that tetragram is so important in your life that you pray in the name of Jesus, that you declare in the name of Jesus, sing songs about the name of Jesus. Robert and I went to uh, fish at Patty Evans Lake the night before last, and on the way back, right at right at dusk, running about 50 miles an hour in front of each road, there was a car coming this way running about 50, and all of a sudden a buck, Pastor David, leaps out in front of the car, and, and the, the car just just smack, just it goes flying in the air, mark i lock up on the brakes and robert told me i said three i said three things now there have been a day when i know what had come out of my mouth hello but as that deer was approaching our windshield two years ago a person hit a deer going the opposite direction the deer went the windshield and killed the driver so i i knew we were in trouble and gail i locked up on those brakes and i said jesus 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 and somehow that old 1990 Suburban just froze right there on the spot. That deer fell right in front of us. Didn't hit the windshield. And look at Robert and said, there's still power in that name. There's still power in that name. There's still power in that name. Closing on a humorous note. I am closing. This will be my only closing. And I have to close because I'm getting a call from prison that I get every Sunday. In the early to mid to late 60s, our nation, our environment was greatly impacted by the music of England. When we think of Hermit's Hermits, we think of The Doors, the Dave Clark Five. The Beatles, the Stones. So much of what we are today and what we're about, we have been influenced by that generation. There was a group that came from England called the Monkeys. Remember the Monkeys? Hey, hey, we're the Monkeys. People say we monkey around. We're too busy singing to run anybody down. What was her big song? Do you remember? Then I saw her face. I'm a believer. Anyway, when the monkeys came to America, the mother of one of the monkeys, Mike Nesbitt, the guy that wears the cap, Mike's mom came to America. And guess what Mike's mom invented? Liquid paper. Oh, yes. Now, my generation, Pastor David, you could paint any car for $29.95 or shy. Or thirty nine ninety five, you got the Matador red like I did, or you could buy a Smith Corona typewriter for twenty nine ninety five. But mark this typewriter: not have spell check, it have a correcto ribbon, didn't have memory, and when you made a mistake, you roll that paper up, throw it in the trash can, and start it all over again. But when Mrs. Nesbit invented liquid paper, guess what? I could be typing along, I could make a mistake, I could get that liquid paper. I could blot out that mistake. I could cover up that mistake. Breathe on it, and then type right over it. And Danielle, you never knew I made a mistake. God said, "I will blot out your transgressions with the blood of my Son, and will not remember your sins." Why? Because there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Oh, give me if you're gonna hand clap, give me a hand clap. All of Let him hear it. Thank you for the blood that will never lose its power. It will never lose its power. As every head is bowed as every eye is closed if you've wandered away from God this week and things have just been been kind of tough